BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Hashtag RealPod. I am very excited for today's episode, and I know I say that at the beginning of every episode, so I definitely have to come up with a new opening phrase, but it's the truth. I'm very excited. I love these episodes, and I love making podcasts, so I hope you guys are just as excited as I am. But anyways, today's episode, I did something different. I wanted to focus on a topic that is very popular in the news right now, which is SB 206. It's a bill that involves the name, likeness, and image rights of collegiate student-athletes. I brought on someone who is an expert um, in this field and is also a former student athlete. So joining me today to talk about this will be Haley Hodson, former All-American volleyball player from Stanford. I did an episode with Haley, so if you want to learn more about her, it's super inspiring. She's got an incredible story. You should check that out. But Haley is, let me tell you why she's the best, okay? Haley recently spoke on a panel discussing this bill at Loyola Law School along with Senator Bradford. She testified in the state capitol in front of the California Senate's Higher Education Committee, as well as before the California Assembly's Higher Education Committee. And she's been featured on the Today Show and NBC Nightly News and quoted in the New York Times all regarding SB 206. So she definitely knows herself, and I brought her on to sort of break this down and help me understand more, but also you guys who might not really know what exactly is going down. So to quickly give you a little preface before we get into the conversation with Haley, I wanted to give you some like SB 206 for dummies real quick so that you could be up to speed. When you become an NCAA athlete, which is a collegiate level athlete, and most schools are NCAA, you have to sign a contract that basically gives your name, likeness, and image to the school and the NCAA. So you can no longer benefit from your name, likeness, and image, essentially who you are as a person. So for example, at the most basic level, um, I had a YouTube channel during my time in college. I could not monetize that because I was a student athlete. I was a Victoria Garrick, the volleyball player, and that would be using my name, likeness, and image to receive money and be paid for that or or receive benefits. I could not accept a free flight to go speak at a school about mental health because that would be receiving um, a gift, which is a free flight because I'm Victoria Garrick, the volleyball player. So it was just, it's very hard for student athletes to reap the benefits of their success when they cannot use or leverage their name, likeness, and image at all. I mean, and these are basic rights. Like I couldn't even leverage my name, Victoria Garrick. And so basically this bill is trying to take that clause away and give back student athletes the sort of ownership 
to do what they want with their name, likeness, and image. This bill is not saying student athletes are going to be paid to play college sports. It's not. Um, obviously, there's ways they can get payment and sponsors and whatnot from their name, like as an image. But this bill is not saying schools are going to pay athletes. So I just wanted to give you guys a little breakdown on that. The last thing I wanted to add before I start is, um, sorry, I'm just looking at my notes. Okay, here, I found it. Sorry. Um Something to add is the four schools that SB 206 includes in the scope are all in the top 10 list of schools with the most NCAA D1 championships. So it's not just football championships, but all sports combined. Stanford has 123 national championships. UCLA has 118. USC has 107. Cal has 38. And you can already see the drop off. And so SB 206 affects California schools. So it's a huge deal that four schools who are very high in the ranks, let alone leading, are now going to be affected by this, what I think is positively, but obviously it's very upsetting to the NCAA that their top winning schools are going to be sort of trying to change their policies. Anyways, let's get into the episode. I hope that this helps you guys understand what's going on. And here's um, a perspective of two student athletes, one of which is an expert on the topic. So let's get started. Well, thank you so much for coming back. Uh, as I was just telling you, your first episode was amazing. Everyone loved it. So if you guys haven't listened to Haley's episode, she just shares about a little bit about her sports journey. You should check that out. But I brought her on today because she is pretty, you're very much involved in the SB 206 bill and everything that's going on, um, which is awesome because you can feel like you've had a personal hand in changing the future for student athletes everywhere. But there are many people that really don't get what's going on. They're like, wait, does this mean student athletes get like to be bought cars by the school? Does this mean that student athletes are getting paid to play? So I want to clear that up right here on RealPod. Thank you for coming. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think when we hear about legislation in general, people have no idea what's going on. No idea. Um, no idea. <laughs> but I will say that this whole experience of working with Sunder Skinner's office has restored my faith in like government and representative government and that these these people that are your representatives, they care. They, they know what they're talking about and they're trying. So at the very least. Slight side note, thing. have you seen The Politician? Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. so good. Wait, I'm so glad somebody else has seen oh, this. Oh, I've seen I've I watched the whole thing in 48 hours. Oh my yeah. gosh. I, and I've, so I've been singing good. River by jo- Joni oh Mitchell or whatever. Like, and, oh, it's so great. It's so great. That's what, yeah. immediately what I thought of when you oh, talked yeah, about legislation. Yeah. I was amazed at how much those people cared. Oh, it's so good though. It it's is so, so good. good. Yeah. Oh, I literally want to watch it again. I watched yeah. the first episode like three times. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, it was so good. But that, that's all. If you ask me about who's my favorite politician, I would say... Uh, ben Platt? Uh, Hope. Uh, what's his name? Yeah. yeah Hobart. Hobart. Hayden Hobart, yeah. Can we all just, like, collectively agree to just, like, write him in? Yeah. Election? Oh, God. But amazing show. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. But, um, so, I guess let's just start with, like, what is... SB 206. Am I also saying that right? Is that the way that people are saying it? Yeah, it's SB 206. Um, It's changed names a couple of times, but the SB stands for Senate Bill 206. So for those of you that, you know, haven't taken a lot of government classes, which is me as well. Dumb it down. This is SB 206 for dummies. Should I title it that? (laughs) Like maybe this is also just like representative government 101. Um, So I've learned a lot about how our government works in the last like six months working on this bill, but SB stands for Senate bill. Um, There are two houses in the legislature in California. You have the assembly 
and the Senate, which is very similar to how Congress runs. Other states do it. Most of them do it this way. Some do it differently. Um, Yeah, so that's where it originated. Senator Skinner and Senator Bradford co-authored the bill, and so it originated in the Senate and then has to be approved by both sides. How did you specifically become this involved in it? So there's a guy named Ramogi Huma who runs um, an organization called the National College Players Association, and he's been working since he was a football player at UCLA in college a while back. Shout Um, out Ramogi. Yeah, shout out to Ramogi, um, (laughs) who I've worked with before um, trying to lobby for things, things that have not yet gotten passed that we still want to get passed. Um, But he put me in touch with Senator Skinner's office. They were looking for people um, particularly women to be able to testify. Probably and, a female student athlete who could speak yeah. from experience and also was educated enough to hold her own. Yeah, sure. Um, but they were particularly looking for a, for a female athlete to be willing to speak out. And um, I don't think it's any secret that when you're in actively in a program and on a team, it's very hard to speak out um, because there are all sorts of potential um, threats to your ability to do that, even just something as simple as scheduling. And I'm yeah. so grateful you brought that up because I'm obviously working on this nonprofit, The Hidden Opponent, and I've had people, I've asked people, oh, can you send me a video in just saying, together we'll face The Hidden Opponent? And I've had a handful of people say, will this affect my eligibility? Am I? And I'm like, no. I'm like, we're not making any money. You're just supporting mental health. Like, you can totally speak up about this, which is just as wild at the most basic level. Student athletes like are very fearful about what they can even advocate for. Right. And I mean, for me, at least I went to Stanford, Stanford's in Northern California. And the first time I went to testify for SB 206, it was in front of the higher education committee, um, in the Senate. And so there were, um, probably nine, nine senators before like that. I, that I got to testify in front of, um, but when they go through, when you, when you give testimony and something is heard in front of a committee in the government, um, there are lobbyists that also get to just like say what you like sort of yay or nay, whether or not they're in support of it. And the, you know, the line of people that were saying, no, we're not in support of this. It's Stanford, the Stanford's lobbyists, it's Cal's lobbyist. It's, um, a representative from like a coalition of, you know, public schools in California representative. And they all say no. So there is also that thread. It's like, I, I knew I was there and like, the school that I was still attending was Mm -hmm. in the same room as me saying, no, we don't support this. Um, But because I was no longer on a team, I felt like I, um, the blessing of medical retirement was that I was able to, to begin to speak out like while still being an undergraduate student. I want to dive into that whole experience, but before we get there at the most basic level, could you define this bill for me? What, what is it trying to do? This bill, um, SB 206 deals with the name, image, and likeness um, clause in your NLI, which is ironically the same acronym as name, image, and likeness. Um, <laughs> national so, letter of intent. Yeah. So your national letter of intent, your name, image, and likeness, um, which is is more or less that when you go and play in the NCAA, you sign away your rights. And there's no alternative to that. So it's either you don't play in college, which especially for female athletes, like there aren't that many professional opportunities. Um in order to get good enough to go pro in most sports, you need sort of your development within the college. So there's there's not there's not a viable alternative other than to sign away your rights. Um, and that monopoly has gone. It, it's been contested. So Ed O'Bannon's case um, contested that, and there have been others, but it's they've largely been more specified and especially only pertaining to um, men's football and basketball players and your highest income sports. Um, so this bill 
just addresses those rights um, in as they pertain to representation and media, but it's not. It doesn't affect the relationship between the athlete and the college um, in the sense that any compensation that they are allowed to earn off of their name, image, and likeness is separate from the compensation that the university might be earning off of, like, sort of team endorsement things. Right. Um, Yeah. So if, for example, if I were to have had a sponsorship from some company, I'm not, like, splitting that with the school. It's sold. It's separate. Right. And it's also then the other way around if, you know, if USC is going to to use you on a billboard, this bill doesn't require that you get cut into that. Um, right. That could be something that gets sort of developed in the future, but the way that the bill is written right now limits it to really just allowing compensation via basically external um, media and endorsement deals, as well as representation, both in the legal sense and in an agent representative, um, which is something for me that's really important. Because especially when you're dealing with minors being recruited by ultra-powerful um, people at universities with a lot of influence and money, um, it's always really bothered me that more often than not, these people being recruited, being groomed to enter the college athlete world don't really have adequate representation. They don't have people that know the ropes. It's really easy to not know what you're getting into, I think, in a lot of ways, and that that, that imbalance of power um, is is like a social issue for me. That's, that's partially addressed by this bill. I see. So are you saying that this would allow those young athletes to have like agents and have people who could help them with those conversations with coaches. Absolutely. And there, there's a lot to be, the bill doesn't go into effect until 2023. Um, first of all, so there's a lot of time for things to get hammered out. Um, also the way the California bill is written at the moment is it only applies to basically your four highest earning schools. So USC, UCLA, Stanford, and Cal, um, it's a media deals clause that... So no, UC Davis doesn't get this, UC Irvine doesn't get this? Okay. Um, it may become a moot point because there have been a lot of other states that have introduced similar legislation in the last week, and there is a bill on the table at the um, congressional level, and there's likely to be a lot of litigation and potential legal action that may or may not just like level the, you know, make it so that the whole country has to comply. So for anyone listening, who's just let's maybe let's give them an example of name, image, and likeness. So as NCAA athletes, our freshman year, we could not have, if Nutella, my favorite nut butter, it's a great example. (laughs) If Nutella was like, Hey Victoria, we know you love our stuff. It's good stuff here. We got a hazelnut spread. Um, we would like to send you 20 free jars of Nutella in exchange for you to just like post and say you love Nutella. I could not post on my Instagram, hey, I'm Victoria Garrick. I love Nutella and go buy Nutella because that would be using my name, image, and likeness to promote something else in exchange for getting something because of being Victoria Garrick, the volleyball player. Right. The thing about this as well that always gets me is like, when we play a college sport, it's so like the line of what is us and what is us as our as an athlete is so thin. Like I remember I got an internship at Fox Sports and I had to fill out paperwork that said I got this internship because I'm Victoria Garrick and I'm a student and I had a resume that was sufficient for this, not because I'm a, Victor- a volleyball player and they want like athletes working there. I don't know. But and, the line's super gray. And it's also crazy as far as I'm concerned because... Student athletes are the only people subjected to this 
arbitrary delineation that doesn't make a whole lot of logical sense. If you are um, a, a concert pianist and you are playing at the Hollywood Bowl on the weekends and you are just like in a really advanced piano player in high school and you get a scholarship to Juilliard, nobody is going to keep you at Juilliard from continuing to perform in, you know, the Philharmonic and like go do those things. And and you're not like, if you submit a resume and somebody's like, wow, this is really impressive. You do, you've dedicated your time and your skills and your talents to, you know, piano playing. Like you don't have to separate who you are and what you've accomplished um, just in order to maintain your sort of eligibility for, you know, your education. Right. And something I want to do on this episode is I want to rebuttal a little bit so I can get your answer. Cause I'm, I'm just going to try to be thinking of what maybe someone who's against us would say. And I think that they might say, Oh, but a student athlete is getting a full ride scholarship. So they shouldn't be getting other things. So what the, would you say? The immediate rebuttal is it's a, it's a huge misconception that every student athlete is on a full ride scholarship. Uh, <laughs> Shout out me. Walk on four years. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I'm actually so glad that you said that because I sit around. These are, these are the things that, you know, I sit around thinking about in my free time. Yes. I, that <laughs> weird. Um, but I sit around and I go, listen, I have so many friends, women's volleyball, popular sport. One of the few female sports that is more popular than its male counterpart. First of all, I think the men's volleyball teams are getting just royally robbed. They're putting in so much effort and time and getting very little in return. They have it is no not a well-funded sport at all. Yeah. And so on the one hand, you have men's volleyball players doing just as much work as everyone else, getting very little in return, definitely not scholarships. When that she says that, we, when you look at, a, for example, a USC men's team, I think they have, I don't know, five full-ride scholarships. I'm not sure. But USC women's volleyball, we have 12. Right. So, so there are these things called headcount sports in the NCAA that guarantee a team gets a certain number of full scholarships that are not allowed to be divided. Women's volleyball is one of them. Um, on the men's side, there are much fewer. It's mainly football and basketball, and the majority of those full scholarships go to those sports, and the other ones split. Um, but everybody's doing a ton of work. Um, but so on the women's volleyball side, for instance, there are 12 full-ride scholarships, but most of these teams are 12 to 18 people. So there are six people, maybe more, that aren't on scholarship. And I personally have a lot of friends that are national champions, multi, mm-hmm. multiple time national champions that are walk-ons, that they are actually paying to be there. And they have this value that society recognizes that, you know, if you show up somewhere and say, I'm an NCAA national championship, in fact, I'm a three-time NCAA national champion, um, there's like something inherently valuable there that people will recognize and applaud you for. And to not be able to, to reap leverage those that and reap those benefits is really problematic because every other kid in college, every other student that is good at something and has an opportunity to take their moment in the spotlight, they can do something with that. And student athletes are banned from doing that, whether it be just being able to like build who you are and build your brand or use your success and your moment in the spotlight to could be something as small as just like being able to use that moment to highlight a cause you care about, whatever it is. Um, you may be receiving some sort of compensation in return or not, but it's there are all these arbitrary rules that the name, image and likeness thing can really come down on. At Stanford, lots of student athletes um, were inclined to start companies, um, and that's perhaps like a strange culture there. That's not necessarily super yeah. typical. Classic Stanford, um, yeah, not not, but it is in the sense that, like you know, college is supposed to prepare you for your future, and one of the things that kids in college are doing 
Um, people work, people start companies, um, people, you know, just start to get ready for their professional lives and build their brand. Yeah. And Bill, I was just going to say building a brand is a very valid and totally substantial thing that we can do nowadays. Given oh yeah. Especially, media. I mean, if every 12 year old and their, you know, siblings can all, you know, promote Boba shop number one via social media and, get some sort of kickback in return for that. It could be something really small, like a 10% discount, but like that is something that could potentially disqualify you from a scholarship at, or just participation. When you're 12 and you have no idea. And the the other thing is like, let's, at the most basic level, like I I know um, a friend of mine who's a college athlete and has a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Can't monetize that. Spends hours videotaping with ideas, brainstorming, putting together amazing videos that millions of people watch making nothing because you're not allowed to. And even, and then another thing, and this is not my, I'm interested what I'm, I will be interested in what you think about this. This is not my, uh, I didn't come up with this myself. My boyfriend, Max Brown came up with this point, but he said that a lot of people think, oh, you know, the, let's imagine when we think of this bill, we think of the A player, the top person that's going to reap all these benefits, get thousands, get all this product. Max was like, let's think about that B or C player. Mm -hmm. That's going to start seeing that stuff and then start getting active and, and and wanting to meet people and maybe be um a self-starter and and use and and catch on to this idea that we have to make conversations we have to hustle we have to create we have to you know build more for our life than just going to practice and being an athlete Absolutely. so it's it's honestly i think it would inspire all athletes to start thinking about yeah their career their brand what are they working towards yeah. because right now it's basically like you can't do anything no. but just be a student athlete well a couple points the NCAA loves to talk about how one to two percent of people go pro um, I also would say that that two percent is is pretty pretty skewed into what sports and what gender those players are so you've got also a vast... when they say the NCAA it's like who else is there there's yeah. not another but like it's like college, but they say that you know one to two percent of people that play play college sports will actually end up going pro, and it's like okay, great. So all of those other people, what doesn't it make sense to give them like opportunities that would prepare them for the, or allow them to use their own initiative? You're not giving them anything. You still have to go like earn it and get it for yourself. Yeah. But you know, wh- like what about entrepreneurship, enterprising, like just seizing opportunities, looking for opportunities? You've been lately hosting. Um, like clinics and camps, you can advertise for those now. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have right a year no, ago. Like I remember my sophomore year, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna go back to the Bay Area. I'm gonna do a Victoria Garrick USC Libero volleyball clinic." Nope, it's illegal. Great. Yep, illegal. Illegal. Do it. And like, not to you know beat it over your head, but it's like, and you were paying to go to USC. Yeah. Right. Like no, this true. is insane. Like this is actually insane. Like yeah. people work jobs because of the, whatever their skill set is, and sometimes you're working just you know a job at a boutique or a coffee shop, but occasionally people are working jobs that require specialized skill sets. And I think and how are sports not a specialized skill set? The, and the misconception that I think the population has, maybe disagree with this, is they're imagining like athletes are not going to be paid to play. That is not what SB two six is going to do. What it's going to do is give athletes the basic human right that everyone else has yes. to capitalize on who they are, what their resume is, what their accomplishments are. You know, why shouldn't a player be able to take advantage of, of their hard work? Exactly. And if people are concerned, I mean, I think it's a, it's a bad argument to say that, you know, the only people that are going to benefit are the people at the top. And it's like, first of all, if you really are that 1% that stands to make, you know, bajillions, they're, they're going to make those no matter what. So 
it doesn't matter to me if that comes earlier. Um, because the flip side of that is also by playing sports, you are inherently at risk of a career ending injury at any given moment. I know that deeply personally, you know that like most of us know that, that have played sports. Um, and so why not give a kid a chance to at least earn back or, you know, maybe earn back a little bit of what they've, all the hard work that they've put in, um, in hopes that it'll pay off someday because it might not. And like the cards may not fall that way. And so I think to, to sort of gamble, um, gamble all of that away, um, is, is not necessarily the way to go. Um, yeah. In my mind, we're very convincing. I agree with both of us. (laughs) Can you please pose the argument of the people that disagree and why they don't want this to go through? Yeah. Um, so I sat in, uh, two, two, two hearings in the California you know, both the Senate and the assembly. And, um, at one of them, I, uh, the opposition, it was one of the earlier hearings and, you know, some organizations, the coalitions of the schools in California had sent, um, what were, what were clearly not their like, you know, biggest in all the meetings sort of lobbyists. Um, and, what the senators and assembly men and women kept asking the opposition was, was are you guys turning around and going to your schools and asking them to, um, to make amends and, and do things to better empower and protect their students? Because every, I, I did not hear from a single Senator. Um, there, there were people that had, you know, qualms about sort of the specifics and how things were going to go, um, but everyone was like, we, we, I think it's beyond the point of like to not recognize that the NCAA is profiting. It's a multi-billion dollar industry off of an unpaid labor source. And then doubly denying that that group of labor, those people, the right to even, you know, use who they are to, to further themselves in mm-hmm. the world. Like I, they kept asking these questions, like, don't you, like, what are you guys doing to ask the the people in power to make that right. Do you like, know the percentage of how many kids are actually not on scholarship? So I've been trying to do research on this for a while and I keep tipping off journalists being like, we've got to get this. We've got to figure this out because what <laughs> the NCAA, be a movie in 20 years, trust me. what the NCAA <laughs> does is they publish their um, sort of ambiguous. overall ambiguous <laughs> count of, of what's what. And there gives you the number of what your head count sports are, but what it doesn't account for is they, they have, they only give positive numbers. So they only tell you how many people are, on scholarship or what the total aggregate like number of scholarships are, what they don't do is tell you how those are broken down. And so what I want to know is how many people um, across, let's just say division one are on, are receiving um, a, an insubstantial, unsubstantial, insubstantial, I think it's insubstantial, insubstantial scholarship. Um, so, so something that really doesn't mitigate costs whatsoever. I bet it's an insane it's number. It's a really high this number. Because, because if you, if you have a volleyball team, 12 headcount scholarships, which is starters that were all walk-ons. Right. But, but so 12, 12 is a lot of scholarships. I'm not going to say that that's not true, but there are, there are plenty of teams that carry a full additional six players. So you have a full third of the team, not on scholarship. So if that's like, just volleyball, which and then like, on the men's team, that's two thirds that's not on scholarship or more, right. or or because they can split the scholarships. If every person is getting four hundred dollars, 
then you don't have a single player on a substantial scholarship that's doing anything to mitigate the cost that's of attendance. That's also classic. When I delivered my TED Talk, I pointed out how when I, I literally spent weeks trying... It's a TED Talk. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta find the stats. Could not find how many students were depressed, were suicidal. I know suicide is a leading cause, leading cause of death in student-athletes, but we can't find the total number. We can't find... No. It was just an increase in symptoms. Right. And so I, I have... I am truly trying to get the numbers on this because they're be not, it's, it's, I think the, the, it would be a time intensive process of having to compare and potentially interview like every single athlete to try to compare roster numbers with like to, could the headcount breakdown. Could you find that out by going to schools and like asking the coaching staff about their teams? I think you could just Well, sit down I, they would probably be able to deny you based on some sort of HIPAA claim. Um, but I think you can file a freedom of information act request. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Kidding. The law um, is fun. So if anybody wants to, you know, FOIA every every <laughs> school in um, America, um, I support you. Personally, I don't yet have the time to do that. When people think about the student athlete, they, I think they think, oh, full ride, football player, NFL, like career made. And honestly, even if you are a full ride football player or a full ride something, being a student athlete is extremely hard. It's a difficult yeah. lifestyle. You're a full-time student, full-time athlete. And so... I guess I just really get upset when people have this cup of, you're already getting so many benefits. I'm like, no, I didn't. No. I remember, yeah, someone, oh yes, I wrote down some of the things that this um, man, uh, I would call troll, but I, I'm i someone that like, if I see someone being mean on the internet, I don't almost want to be mean to them. I want to be like, you really need help. You really need a nice little huggy, yeah. maybe a little milkshakey shake. But anyways, uh, this guy commented and said like, you got a free education. So bl-. I was like, okay, one, no, I didn't. And then, and then I, and then he was like, also, you did not pay for anything there. The football teams did, the other teams did. And I was like, okay, now you're just jabbing at female athletes. Yeah. I was, I was informed my freshman year that, um, the Stanford women's volleyball program broke even on a yearly basis. Um, I, you know, somebody fact checked me, but, but we broke even in, I mean, Palo Alto is not a particularly populous place. We did not like fill a stadium the way that a school like Nebraska does, um, so, I mean, you can't tell me that this only applies to men's football and basketball because, I mean, women's soccer teams are filling stadiums, you tickets have, you and endorsements. Maple's majority yeah. full. Well, and, and, and both of our sports have massive TV deals. So you can't tell me that you're not receiving money for my, my play because somebody is paying you to put me on, to put our team on the air. Right. Like that is a, that is a business contract the school is benefiting from. Um, and we're denied a, a lot of other things. Um, and also, yeah. the kids that are not on scholarship are not receiving stipends for food, rent, no groceries. Well, and also, I mean, books. so so I was on scholarship. Um, my parents would say they they fully paid for my education prior to me getting there with all of the club volleyball and all of the training and um, travel that was required to get me right. to that level. And so it's like I was one of the lucky ones that in some way maybe broke even, but. Also, what's a free education? I'm going to be drowning in medical bills for the rest of my life. Um, you know, right now I'm, I still get to be on my parents' insurance. Um, that that expires when I turn 25, and that's a really real threat for me. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I, I I struggle with um, all of these symptoms left over from the concussions I got in college, and there's nothing 
to protect me from that. There's nothing to protect every kid that, you know, leaves a rowing team with a lifetime of chronic back pain and fused, you know, back yeah. joints. Like, and rowing gets nothing. And half of them are Olympians. Like, no kidding. They're actually, like, Olympians. And they're paying to go to college. And they're banned from monetizing and that's their really, Olympic status. It's a great point about the money we have to put in to even get to this level of being recruited. Right. I mean, you can't... People, and I feel bad, people DM me all the time like, oh, I, I'm in a neighborhood of where we don't have a good club team. Like, what do I do? And I'm like, honestly, I, I like can't respond to this because I feel bad. Like, it's not going to happen for you. You got to get on a good club team. got to get a yeah. good high school team. Like, you have to be on a team that's, and then you have to, no, you ha- you're like, a coach is not going to fly to this tiny town in this random state. You have to be a Colorado Crossroads. You have to be a Spokane Colliders. You right. have to fly there, pay for those tickets, pay to be on the club team. Your parents have to fly. Like, it's a lot of money it's to even put yourself money. in a position to get a scholarship. Exactly. And so for the NCAA to pretend like this is this, like, massive, you know, act of charity, it's like, no, no, no. We are, we are matching you dollar for dollar at best, right? And I think maybe the one exception is high school football because – they get recruited out of high school football. Um, and so, so football's the one football seems to perpetually be the exception to the rule. Um, <laughs> but you know, put, put football aside because it's like, we, we know that America worships football, but how is this going to affect all of the other people that are not men's football players? Right. And, and what do those economics really look like? And I because loved, it's, it's not a free education. You're paying for it in some capacity. And I loved your point of how the top are going to benefit no matter what, when they get to the NFL, when they get wherever. And so I honestly, and I love Max's point about how I think these bottom people, like for lack of a better term, are going to be inspired to like, oh, how do I make an agency deal? Should I reach out to this company? Like, or should I start a YouTube channel? Like they're going to start to become proactive rather than a lot of these athletes I know who just sort of like don't take their education seriously. They bank on going pro. And then when they don't go pro, they have no idea what to do. Um, The other thing I was going to say is, is it possible that a school could, and I, I really don't know, could maybe, let's say there's a car dealership by a school. Can they arrange for like, could they possibly be able to recruit kids and say, if you come here, all of our athletes have a deal with this car dealership and they all get free BMWs? Is that something that would be possible? Um, I don't think under SB 206 that's within the scope um, just yet. I think you could individually – like that car dealership could individually sort of um, – Reach out to the Reach athletes. out to, you know, if, if you're – you know, if, if this bill is able to expand its scope and other states are, are introducing bills that do have more expansive scopes, and I think that's definitely the trajectory it'll go, where it applies to more places. Let's take UC Davis, for instance. Um, you know, Davis is not San Francisco. It's a smaller, mo- more local um, and locally minded community. If there's a local car, car, car dealership there that, you know, is really supportive of, you know, UC Davis, UC Davis sports, UC Davis athletes, you know, whether you're a, a men's tennis player, female volleyball player, a swimmer, whatever it is, like you probably have just, a, you have a little bit of visibility at the very least in that community. And if that car dealership wants to go, Hey, this is great. This is mutual. Like we can't get Serena Williams in here. We're a, you know, local car dealership and UC Davis, but we've got all these wonderful athletes we'd like to support. You know, maybe, maybe we know some of them personally, maybe they grew up here, like we would love to support them in some way or another. And in return, we also get, you know, good press and good, good, um, mm-hmm. sort of representation and promotions from these people that have a, a, a window of being visible. But you don't think that it will be a, a, where a place where the, the richer schools, the wealthier schools will be able to recruit on the basis of being able to gift things. 
Um, I, I mean, I doubt it. There's, it's no secret that corruption recruiting like has always existed. Um, and so not to make the argument that it's like things are bad, so you might as well let them be bad. Um, but I think California already has a massive recruiting advantage. Um, and I actually think that if a, if I think the major advantage will be that if you can come to California and go get your own deal and make something of yourself, regardless of whether or not your coach is going to put you on the field or not. Like, you know, there are all these promises made in recruiting about playing time, about what position you'll have. There's nothing stopping those coaches from just recruiting somebody better for like, no matter what they tell you, they could say, Hey, Victoria, I'm recruiting you. You will start your freshman year. That is a promise that they do not have to keep. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you go, Hey, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't know if my future really has like volleyball in it, but I want to play. I'm really excited to go to USC and like, Oh, and if I go to USC, I can also use my time there to like, you know, find some other ways to make this volleyball thing and all my effort and time um, monetarily worthwhile, Mm -hmm. even if it's something small. So in California, we've just passed this, correct? Correct. That was exciting. I saw that happen on LeBron James's Uninterrupted. That was cool. Very cool. Um, What does that mean? What happens now? I know the NCAA is threatening to maybe not let California schools be in the tournament. Is that true? They're threatening. It's a terrible threat. Um, California has more NCAA trophies than any other state by far. Um, Stanford currently has the most. UCLA has a second. It wasn't very long ago that UCLA had more in Stanford. But it's in the hundreds for each school, which is so far beyond. Is it in the hundreds for USC? Um, I don't think so. I think it's getting close, but, um, it's, okay, guys, fight it's on. a very light lopsided, you know, argument that I'm like, you really want to keep your powerhouses out of your tournaments. Um, the media is going to go, okay, well, we'll just cover that. You know, it's a free market. They're not going to have a problem with that. It's also like, think about how many fans combined the Stanford, UCLA, Cal and USC all have, I mean, you want to turn down all those people from participating in your tournament. Yeah, exactly. And then a bunch of other states have just introduced identical bills, some of which go further than than the California law does. Like about um, bribery and recruitment stuff? Um, I, so and the North Carolina, for instance, just introduced a bill that um, ups the limit on uh, stipend compensation to like $5,000 or something. Um, and, and so some of these like are actually including more and more monetary compensation directly to athletes. Um, but so if you're going to keep, you know, California out of it, but then if let's say hypothetically 15 other States in the coming year pass a similar bill, that threat rings very hollow. Cause then you have like um, 15, 20 teams who are all you're kicking them out. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, I don't think it's, I think the NCAA would like stand to lose a lot of money for themselves by kicking out like really high priority teams. Um, so like in the Olympics, when we boycotted in 1980 something, um, you know, people didn't think it was a valid gold medal until Russia versus USA played. I I think you would see something similar. It's Mm -hmm. like, if, if you have, you know, this like all-star team undefeated in preseason, that like was arbitrarily denied, you know, entry to the final four, like that's a, that's going to generate a whole other level of like media attention, right? Mm-hmm. That people will be like, this is crazy. Like they've been like, you know, these mm-hmm. teams have been like kicked out. Like there's this whole other story that will sort of emerge. Um, but the bill has three years before it goes into effect. And I think that there's plenty of time um, for things to get figured out in that amount of time. And historically, all of these schools are very influential. So I feel like it. people are only going to want to follow suit of like the powerhouses, Right. And right now, I mean, because the schools make up the NCAA, if the NCAA turns around and says you can't 
you can't compete, then the schools will band together um, and, and effectively do something separate. But there's also, there is a question of antitrust violation and price fixing. Um, I think the NCAA is going to try to make a, um, oh my gosh, uh, they're trying to make a constitutional argument about commerce, interstate commerce. Um, and I am not the constitutional law expert nor the antitrust law expert on this subject, but there will be like probably Supreme Court level litigation. Go- going back a tad, when we talk about why the NCAA doesn't want this to happen, I know that some people are like, this would put us in the realm of like amateur professional sports. And I know that I've heard the argument of this name, image, and likeness rule was put in place initially to protect student athletes from having to worry about like agents and sponsors and all of that. Um, but at the root of it, I mean, would this cost the NCAA a lot of money if all of these, not really. I actually like, what think is the, the big thing that they happen. don't want to happen? I really don't they get don't it. They don't want to lose control. Um, that's my, that's my educated opinion, I think. Um, I will, I will say that the, the student athletes are being exploited period, like economically exploited. I don't know how, you know, a, a, a meager 5% scholarship for somebody that, you know, is playing women's soccer or something where they split the scholarships, um, is that is a fair result for the $14 billion that's being brought in. Let's t- I mean, even somebody like a Christian McCaffrey, who's, you know, now a huge deal and was extremely success- successful in a football program. Like he was not getting anything. So he left and went, went pro early. Um, and, but other people were making up millions off of, you know, his team's success and they weren't getting a piece of that. And so I think like the fact is that student athletes are being exploited. And so if name, image, and likeness was meant to like protect us, like the exploitation is there. Um, and I don't think the, the civil rights reasons to like uphold that outweigh the potential. I mean, there's some risk, sure, but Title IX, Title IX changed everything, okay? People were distraught about Title IX disrupting the system. They were like, this is going to be terrible for everybody. You know, it's going to hurt It's going to hurt women somehow, and it's going to, like, hurt the whole economic system. It's all going to fall apart, like, doomsday, right? Obviously, that didn't happen. Did, it, did Title IX fundamentally change fu- college sports? Yes. But it, is that a bad thing? No. And so I think that, like, in general, people are always afraid of change. And I think that that's a valid fear because mm-hmm. you don't know necessarily how things are going to play out. So will this bill and similar bills like it change the face of college sports? Yes. Is that necessarily a bad thing? No. Um, and so I think it's it's something, I mean, it's something to consider. And I, um, I, I recently spoke on a panel at Loyola Law School and I was talking to a room of, of future lawyers. I myself am a future lawyer. And it's like, I think it's on us as as legal representatives of people that may, may be agents to, to not be exploitative. Um, but I think that there are also ways for schools and athletes and people representing athletes to work together to create practices that will not be exploitative. Um, but it's, it's going to be a, a a growth process for sure. I a hundred percent agree with everything you're saying. (laughs) I think it's super admirable that you have taken such a stand and that must've been super courageous to be in that courtroom against your school, not against, well, yeah, against and stand up for what you believe in. But do I, do I get, if I'm ever in a lawsuit, like, can I, I'm going to give you a call. Do I get a friends and family discount? A friends and family (laughs) discount. I mean, I got to pass, I got to (laughs) finish law school get the degree past the California bar, which is hard. I've heard. Apparently everybody fails the first time. I'm so, you're a smart cookie. Um, so you know we'll see. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know what like my future holds. But I do think that like as a society, like yeah, change comes with responsibility. 
Um, you know, it's, it's on us to like step up. Um, but I think that there's such an imbalance of power right now that it's time for some change. And I personally, like I've seen enough and seen enough people be so severely damaged by the way that things are that to me, it just makes sense. And by people, you mean student athletes. Student athletes. Yeah. And I I mean, obviously we are both passionate about different things and the same things, but even with mental health, like things need to change. I mean, just before we started at Hades, like, so what is the goal with the nonprofit? And I'm like, look, I really don't know, but I see a lot of student athletes that want to do something. And so I'm just trying to band us together and we will figure it out because it's just ridiculous how there's not a, like, and then at some point it's like, there's not enough counseling and that's an issue. So then maybe we shouldn't have a team if you can't have enough people there to accommodate for mental health issues. Well, and if the industry as a whole is making $14 billion and you have coaches making millions and millions of dollars a year with like eight houses, I'm just wondering why if the NCAA is saying that their, their priority is, you know, are the student athletes and the student athletes education, why that's the way that this nonprofit corporation thing is allocating its resources. Right. It has the resources. It's just allocating them. Right. Not There is a pie chart somewhere on the internet that you can find where it's 1% of the NCAA's income goes into medical care. Mm. 1%. Um, and fact check me on this. I'm not trying to like you know say the wrong thing here, but, but it's severe. it is a very low number. And my question is, do we, we prioritize you know, coaches' pay te- pay- paychecks just, and, and shoe deals over the well-being of our it athletes. It is beyond comprehension that someone somewhere sits down or goes to sleep at night knowing about how much money they consume and knowing how many student-athletes struggle for various reasons and doesn't just, like, distribute the money to have counseling centers and adequate health care and all, all, affordable, like, everything. It's just... I can't yeah. comprehend it. And especially something that effectively is a monopoly on a, on a whole market, you know? So non-professional sports are owned by the NCAA in America. And there's no other country that has anything that looks like this at all. And so it is a unique American problem that we have this, this pyramid system thing where the people at the top get a whole lot and the many people at the bottom um, are are temporary laborers that are no longer their problem once they're done. And so there's this, there's no incentive for, for them to really invest more money. And, and so somebody has to like, you have to force the hand. And I think that's where legislation comes in and why we're seeing this being a big issue at at the legislative level is because at a certain point, you know, people either the, the free market can sometimes do that sort of stuff, but there's no alternative right now. Um, and so there, that's not going to naturally really happen, um, unless forced. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time and this was very helpful and informative and I hope everyone listening feels like they are now in the know. And also I hope that they're inspired, like to use their voice, stand up for what they believe in. Um, it's pretty crazy when you do that stuff, how many people either follow support or like want to help out as well. Any last words? Um, if you're in a state that has just like introduced a bill, call your senators, write your senators. If they're every state now, you know, we have technology, like go online, figure out who your district what senator is. is. Cell you don't have to be a voting age to be able to do this. If you've never voted, you have no idea what district you live in. Just go online, look up like your state capitals website and you will find a lot of info. And there are usually um, plenty, there's usually plenty of information to ID who your who your representatives are and how to contact them. And um, I used to 
sit there probably like all of you guys feel like no way they ever read these things they do go figure they actually do after sitting with people like Sunder Skinner and Sunder Bradford two you know really incredible public servants like they they actually care and they want to represent their constituents um accurately and and so they want to hear from you and so if you have an opinion on this um and you you live in a state I mean even a state that hasn't introduced a bill yet um get in there and be like hey I'm learning about this and is this something that you would be be willing to voice? Because chances are, I mean, every state, regardless of whether or not they publicly put forth litigation, is having these conversations behind closed doors. Thank you. Let's do it, folks. Get those phones. Start calling. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode on the bill SB 206. I hope that this was helped you, gave you clarification, um, and now you can better understand what everyone's talking about. If you are a future student athlete, I certainly hope that you are excited because now you can start building a career at the young age of 18. And I also hope you guys enjoyed Haley. She's awesome. She's amazing. And you should really check out her story. She was on an episode of Hashtag RealPod a few weeks ago, so you can scroll and find that. And she talks about her journey as a student athlete, which is sort of one in a million what she's been through and and how she articulates that and it's so inspiring just to you know give you a little cliffhanger here Haley was the number one recruit in the country full ride to Stanford Pac-12 freshman of the year and suffered a career-ending concussion injury so she talks all about that and what that was like so please check that out and support Haley that would be awesome and also you can follow her Instagram it's at H Hudson so big thanks to Haley for coming on the show you're awesome and also guys check out the politician it's a great watch it's cool um, if you're in the politics mood after this podcast I recommend you go binge that on Netflix anyways I hope you guys have a great week and uh Peyton Hobart for president